And thank you once again for joining me on another episode of Focus on Fertility. I'm your host, Dale Bader, and today we're going to be talking about how a particular new test, it's been around for a couple years now, might be able to assist you with your IVF treatment, especially if you've done previous IVF treatments that have not worked out to the success level that you're looking for, or maybe you have recurrent pregnancy loss, this might be something that can help you out. On the line with us today is Tiffany Stankiewicz. She is the Endometrial Specialist and Senior Manager of Research and Development at iGenomics. Tiffany, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Dale. So today's topic, we want to talk about the ERA test. First of all, what does ERA stand for? So ERA stands for endometrial receptivity analysis. And what does that exactly entail? So what are, so what are we looking at with the ERA test? So the ERA test lets us know when a patient is receptive. So essentially when her endometrium is ready to accept an embryo, which is is very essential in establishing a pregnancy. So endometrium, that's a word that uh, maybe some of our listeners may not be as familiar with, even if they've been dealing with the, the journey for a little while. What exactly does the endometrium do in its role with regards to pregnancy? Sure. So the endometrium is a tissue that lines the inside of the uterus. And what happens each month, this tissue gets thicker and it prepares for the arrival of an embryo. So if the embryo successfully implants, this is where the implantation occurs. And this is where the embryo will reside throughout the pregnancy. However, if no implantation occurs, what happens, the endometrium will break down and then menstruation will begin. So if we think of the endometrium as the soil and the embryo as the seed, this is where the seed is planted, essentially. Okay. So what is then endometrial receptivity? So endometrial receptivity is when the endometrium is ready for that embryo to implant. And for a pregnancy to occur, um, it's not only necessary to have a good embryo, but also a good um, endometrial receptivity. And I know that we're looking at what's called a window of implantation, but I'm not exactly sure, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are are as well, what does that really mean? What is a window of implantation? Sure. So so basically the window of implantation is when the endometrium is going to be receptive. So it's kind of like your window of opportunity for pregnancy. And typically the window of implantation is open between days 19 and 21 in a menstrual cycle. And it can be open for as long as anywhere, usually around 24 to 48 hours. However, um, we know that the window of implantation is actually quite personalized for each woman. So we can't expect every woman to have their window of implantation lie between days 19 and 21. And what we are also noticing is that not all patients have a, a duration from 24 to 48 hours. We actually see some women whose window may only be open for 12 hours or, you know, 18 hours. So it's really important for us to identify this um, to help, you know, get patients pregnant, um, especially if this is a factor for them. So I know in, like, when my wife and I went through IVF, we did our retrieval uh, three to five days later. We did the, the fresh transfer, and it seemed like that was just kind of the process that everybody went through. 
Now, luckily, we, we had a successful pregnancy that turned out after time, but you're kind of telling me that it's possible that having that standard setup and flow of, of routine may not necessarily mean you're getting the transfer at the right time? No, you're, you're absolutely correct. So we expect a majority of patients, and actually what we see from our own internal data, around 69% of patients are receptive um, at the time of, of which we, we normally think. So if we're referring to IVF, that might be five days after starting progesterone in, in a hormone uh, transfer cycle. And But what we, we're seeing is that what about the other 31% of women where we're not finding receptivity at this time? And this could be very, you know, profound fi- finding for these patients because this could be the reason why implantation isn't occurring, especially if we know we have a good embryo. But if we're not transferring that good embryo at the right time, i.e. when the endometrium is ready to accept it, then we're not going to see a pregnancy. So this test really helps those patients, those that 31% who, who aren't going to be typically receptive at your usual time of transfer with IBS. So should everybody be receiving this test then, or are there certain individuals that are, are more likely that may find this as a need and should be considering the use of this type of test? So right now, we, we only indicate the ERA test for those patients with recurrent implantation failure. Um, so that's what the, the test has been validated with. And, and what we see in this population is a, a higher um, percentage of patients whose window of implantation isn't at the usual, you know, day five of progesterone exposure Um and, and in these cases, what we've seen, when we've adjusted for that change, so if we have a patient we refer to as being pre-receptive, meaning that their window of implantation isn't open yet at the, at the usual time, and they need a little bit more, you know, days or hours of progesterone exposure prior to having their embryo transfer. And when we adjust for this, we actually see pregnancy rates that are similar to to those patients who, who don't suffer from reoccurrent implantation failure. And, and just as a side note, reoccurrent implantation failure, we don't really have a, a definite um, a definition for that, say, worldwide or, or globally, but we consider that um, one or two failed IVF cycles with good quality uh, blastocysts. So something else is happening here. We, we've controlled for the embryo. Now we kind of have to look at the endometrium. Now, whether this test uh, should be open for everyone who, who, who wants to check to see, hey, do I have a displaced window of implantation? I, 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 don't, I haven't been through IVF yet, but maybe I want to account for that. Um, we, we do have a current trial that we're looking at that. And what we found in this subset of patients, so again, no history of implantation failure, first-time IVF patient, about one out of six of these patients do have a displaced window of implantation. So, so this can certainly exist in other populations. Um, but in, until we can actually prove its, its usage in those populations, uh, right now we, we suggest for those patients who have suffered um, implantation failure over and over again. So if I'm an individual that is interested in going forward and trying the use of the ERA test to see if that's going to be the answer that may help me get across that finish line. What is the process of this test? Is it just simply done right before my transfer and, and, and then I can have my transfer based on the test or, or how does it work? Sure. So it, it's 
the ERA test is intended if you're transferring frozen embryos. So it must be done um, in, in IVF uh, cycles. And once you get your embryos, you can go ahead, have them frozen, and then you'll undergo what we call an ERA mock cycle. So essentially, you're doing everything you would do in a transfer cycle, but instead of transferring embryo, your physician's going to take an endometrial biopsy. And this is a relatively painless process. It's, it's quite quick. Um, you know, after about five days of, of progesterone exposure, uh, you'll come into the office. Your, your doctor will take an endometrial biopsy, and then that biopsy will be sent to our labs at iGenomics, and we'll be able to tell you, you know, where your window of implantation lies. So we might say, yes, you're receptive at this time, so you're going to want to undergo an, uh, an actual uh, frozen embryo transfer cycle and transfer at this time. Or we might see that you do have a displaced window of implantation, and we give your physician um, instructions of, of how long on progesterone you need to be before a transfer actually occurs. So once you receive the result, you can then move forward with a frozen embryo transfer the following month. And you'll basically your physician will replicate that cycle exactly, so you'll have the same type of medicine, the same um, dosage, and then um, they'll transfer based upon the report itself. So you might transfer at the same time you originally had biopsy, maybe a little bit earlier if you are what we refer to as post-receptive, or a little bit later, which we refer to as being pre-receptive. So let's uh, think here a little bit on that one. So the process, they're going to get the mock cycle completed. How long once they've done the mock cycle and the biopsy is completed, the test has been sent off, will they know the results? The result turnaround time is about 15 days once we have the sample at our laboratory. Um, So that means essentially you could move forward with a transfer the following month um, as long as receptivity was found. And the good news is that um, in most cases, so about 90% of cases, we're able to make a direct recommendation for transfer. So there's no need for an additional biopsy to confirm the patient's window of implantation. And and this is something that has um, changed throughout the years. Uh, We used to recommend uh, uh, more second biopsies to be performed. But as we get more samples and more experience with the test, we were actually able to improve the test and say, okay, we see that you have, you're, you're not receptive at time of biopsy, but this is when you should be receptive. Go ahead and transfer based upon these instructions. So as I mentioned, 90% of cases now, we can make that direct recommendation. So you, you can move forward with transfer a little bit sooner, um, which is, is definitely really nice because I, I, I realize that everyone is, is, is looking forward to that embryo transfer. So the, the least amount of time we have to put that off, the best. But at the same time, we know we're transferring into an endometrium that's receptive. And so it sounds like maybe an extra month in the whole process if you decide to go through the ERA testing. Is that about right? You're exactly correct. And that, that's accounting for that, that mock transfer cycle. So in that mock transfer cycle when the biopsy is taken. And is the ERA test... Uh, available at most fertility centers now across the country? So actually, um, it, the ERA test is available worldwide now. Um, so we, we offer it all throughout the United States. Um, we actually uh, just started offering it in, in New York State. So that was the only state we were not able to offer the ERA test up until about a month ago. So we are now very excited to offer the ERA test in, in all 50 states. 
and all they have to do is discuss with their physician their interest in, in utilizing this as a possible test for them. Exactly. So this is where the conversation should start. It, sh- it needs to start the clinic. So it is a very um, uh, clinic-invested test because not only are we just offering genetic services, but, but this test is, is also very much dependent upon the, the protocol that's used during the um, ERA mock cycle. So we, we work, you know, heavy collaboration between us and the clinics. So you're exactly right. Patients should start um, the conversation with their physician directly. And one last question I have, and that's just because the word biopsy just kind of makes my hair stand up a little bit. And I know you said it's <laughs> relatively painless, and I'm not a female, so I, I'm not going through it. But still, that that word seems kind of, you know, it's kind of got that negative connotation. You sometimes hear biopsy and you think of cancer, and here you're trying to you're find out that exact timing window. Is this test ever going to possibly be uh, like more of a non-intrusive type test or, or is this what unfortunately is always going to have to be the case? So we are working on, on a more non-invasive um, method of collecting the endometrial sample. Um, so as I mentioned before, the biopsy itself is quite painless. It's, it's quite quick. Um, it's a, a in-and-out office visit. Um, but as far as a non-invasive version, we do have a clinical trial that is ongoing now. So it's been going on for about a year or so. And um, what we're doing, we're collecting endometrial biopsy the, the typical way with the tissue, but we're also collecting a um, what we refer to as a non-invasive biopsy, which is endometrial fluid. And that's just taken with a catheter. Um, unfortunately, this is only um, performed in this clinical trial at this time. So hopefully that's something that we, we would be able to offer uh, clinically in the future. So, so you'll have to stay tuned for that one. Very good. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to add that uh, we haven't had an opportunity to cover today? I mean, again, I think uh, for so long we've always focused on um, the potential for implantation and, and looked at the embryo exclusively. You know, is the embryo good quality? Is the embryo chromosomally normal? And we've used tools such as PGTA um, for, for testing of the embryo um, chromosomes. But when we see, you know, we transfer chromosomally normal embryos with good quality blastocysts and we still don't see a pregnancy, we have to think of the other player in this. So I actually gave a talk which I informed, um, I, I entitled, It Takes Two to dot, 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 implant. And it really does because, um, as corny as that title is, but it, it's so true. When we control for the embryo, why not control for the endometrium and make sure we're, we're transferring this precious this, this precious embryo into a, you know, if I go back to my analogy with the soil, um, into a, a good soil that will, you know, hopefully lead to pregnancy. So um, finally, I think the, the IVF field, we're looking at the other side of implantation, which is the endometrium. So it's very exciting to see how we can um, hopefully refine this process even more and increase implantation rates for, for all patients undergoing IVF. Well, thank you so much again, Tiffany, for joining us. And if you're listening and maybe you're new to our podcast and you'd like to learn more about PGTA that Tiffany had mentioned, we do have a podcast that helps cover that information as well. We'll put an additional link not only for information regarding the ERA test but also 
for PGTA and to that previous podcast inside the show notes that you can uh, listen to as well. Well, thank you again, Tiffany. We uh, appreciate your time, and uh, hopefully this is something that is going to help others that are listening today make it across that finish line that they're hoping to hit. I hope so. Well, I really appreciate you um, you meeting with me today, Dale, and, and for having me on. If you've been trying to start your own family and haven't had success, you're not alone. Millions of people just like you are experiencing the same very personal and painful frustration. Infertility affects men and women equally. The Missouri Center for Reproductive Medicine, MCRM Fertility, can help. MCRM accepts most insurance and you don't need a referral. They offer the most advanced science and technology, including exclusive techniques and the embryoscope. Check them out at mcrmfertility.com. And thank you goes out one more time today to Tiffany from iGenomics for helping to enlighten us about the ERA test or the endometrial receptivity analysis. And hopefully if you've had prior struggles with IVF or recurrent pregnancy loss, this might be a test that you can utilize to help you complete your fertility journey. And we encourage you to discuss the test with your reproductive specialist. I'll also include some additional information regarding the ERA test inside the show notes on our website at focusonfertility.net. And as always, we appreciate you for joining us each week for our Focus on Fertility podcast episodes. And we'd love to have you follow us along each and every week by simply joining in on iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio Network, Podcast One, and also via our website. Again, that's at FocusOnFertility.net. And if you have a topic that you would like to share or have included here on Focus on Fertility, please email me at questions at FocusOnFertility.net. Until we can reconnect next week, I'm wishing you the very best on your fertility journey.